Welcome to So You Want to Be a Witch, the podcast for soul-centered entrepreneurs and the people who love them. Welcome back to So You Want to Be a Witch. I am your host, Sarah M. Chapel, and we are here today with Sarah Godestiner, creator of the Many Moons Workbook, the Moonbeaming online program, all sorts of amazing stuff. And of course, probably your favorite art on the entire internet. Sarah, welcome. Thank you for being here today. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so honored and excited and delighted to speak with you. Oh, I'm so excited to go into this conversation. And before we kind of get into the meat, because Sarah and I have some fun, exciting, challenging areas we want to explore today, uh, can you tell us just a little bit about you know, who you are, what you do, and how you describe your work in this world? Sure. I have been running a business since 2012. Mm-hmm. And my business is comprised of a lot of different parts. I run a product based business, i.e. selling things uh, to that we mail out to people. I do that. It's called Modern Women and we sell publications and potions and apparel and we will be developing that throughout the year. I also am a tarot reader. I've been a tarot reader since 2010 serving people. I'm a writer. I have a book coming out sometime this year And I also teach online and also in person. I do online and in-person workshops whenever I can. So those are the different ways I have made a business. It was certainly not what I had planned. The (laughs) world, well, the world looked a lot different in 2012, Mm -hmm. like in terms of what I do, like there were not really witches on the internet or there were, but it just looked a lot different. Let's put it that way. And tarot reading, like I didn't know almost anyone else who was a tarot reader when I began, like just things like that. And I think it's great. It's just like a lot different now. So that's basically what I do. It was not a planned. I was, I was not like, oh, this is going, I'm going to make a spiritual business. But I did actually plan on making a feminist business, which I still consider myself trying to do every day. So, you know, it is a value driven business. I can say that. And I always try to keep it a value driven business as much as I can so that I can sleep at night. (laughs) Mm. There are so many juicy pieces here I want to pick up. And the first one is that you do a bunch of different stuff. And I feel like so often people are told that you have to pick something, you have to like niche down, you can't like do everything. How do you feel about that? (laughs) I think that we have it like uh, there's so many answers here we are very privileged when we i mean i think sometimes it's easy to forget how privileged we are when we're creating a business because it can be so incredibly challenging like every day can be very 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 hard when you work for yourself and you are in charge of everything. Yeah. But we, but we also have a privilege where we can decide what we want to do and we can set our business up how we want to do it. And for me personally, I could never have a business where I just do one thing over and over again. That's not who I am as a person. I'm happiest when I'm trying new things, I'm happiest when I'm developing a bunch of different things. I'm happiest when I can be 
creative and explore different like ideologies and speak with different people, et cetera, et cetera. If you know that you only want to do one thing, like lucky you, like I'm a bit (laughs) envious, right? So I think it just kind of depends on what you want to do. I don't think, you know, I think as a lot of things happen in the economy, both bad and good, we're going to, and also I think when, I, I think there's like a couple things happening on a collective scale. I think the economy is changing in such a way that unfortunately almost no one can have the stability of just doing one thing over and over again. But also I think that as a collective, we're evolving into wanting to to express different parts of ourselves. And so we're seeing people less as just one thing, like like one thing to put in one box. And we are in this exciting time where we all can step a bit more into wholeness. And that means expressing different skill sets that we have. Um, And I think we're seeing that reflected both in positive and more scary ways. Like we don't need to get into any of that, but I think we're, we're kind of seeing some evolutions of that. And I think that if you want to just do one thing, that's fantastic. But I think in general, we all contain multitudes and have many gifts. And the time I spend teaching, for example, enriches the time I spend writing, which in turn enriches the time I spend making design and on and on. And I don't know, do you, find that you have the same experience, Sarah? Oh my gosh, yes. I can't pick one thing for the life of me. (laughs) And that's why I was so eminently unemployable is because I was supposed to just keep doing one thing over and over again. (laughs) Um, But there is this beautiful cycle that when when we're reaching into all the different parts that we're called to work with, the different parts of ourselves, the different parts of yeah, of, of our practice and our business, then they do inform each other and they enrich and they grow. And I'm so grateful to, I mean, it can be a little chaotic, but I am very, very happy to be able to, as you said, have the privilege of choosing what I do. And that honestly is, is, is a lot of, a lot of different stuff. <laughs> and, and I also think that for me and my experience, when I come to something, it's not always necessarily in quotes, a success the first time I try it, like the first class I teach, or I don't know, the first a product I come up with, and it takes time for that thing to grow. And so while I'm waiting for that to grow and change and develop, I can try different things, right? So because in general, in my business, things take a while to gain traction. I've never created something that was like an incredible, amazing, phenomenal thing the first go round. Mm-hmm. So I think it also is a good tactic to use when developing your business, knowing that not every single thing is going to pay your bills all the time. Um, and so we're forced to create a business that has cycles and has kind of different cauldrons all bubbling at different uh, stages of development. I love what you kind of slipped in there, which is that I mean, guys listening at home, right? Your first iteration doesn't may, may not be perfect. It doesn't have to be perfect. And it doesn't mean that you have to stop, right? <laughs> I mean, ex- I mean, 100, I mean, ex- that's the whole, that's the whole thing, right? It's like <laughs> believing in something to me is a definition of success. Like if I really believe in something, 
eventually in some iteration at some point, it will serve either my clients or it will serve myself and my development, right? Like not everything we don't, we can't judge success solely on dollar amounts. Uh, you know, and, and one thing that at one point is crickets two years later, it might be like your biggest seller. You, You really never know, unfortunately. That's kind of, I mean, it's a little anxiety inducing, but it's also kind of part of the fun, right? We're like, what's going yeah. to be, what's, what's possible today? <laughs> yeah, totally. Now, I like to just highlight that because I know that I see a lot of folks kind of, especially when we're on um, everything forward facing, everything consumer facing Instagram, internet land, we miss a lot of process behind things. And well, you know, having process be kind of private or behind the scenes or however we each work through that isn't a bad thing. It does create this illusion of like, Sarah made this thing and it is automatically amazing right out of the gate. Yeah. And also like, I try to remind people, my whole motivation is that like, we don't have, it isn't our doing the work has to be the reward. And because if we are always hinging our definitions of success on money or on attention or on all of these things we're taught, it, it, it isn't going to fulfill a spiritual need. And I always like to remind people who are starting out, like friends of mine who are starting businesses or people who I counsel who want to be tarot readers you know, I always like have this story where once I gave a guided meditation at an event space to one person, to one person, you know, like one person showed up. Right. And I wasn't like, Oh, it's off. I'm canceling this. Like we had an hour long guided meditation and it was great. So it's, you know, it's like, there's always these moments where we can decide, do I want to keep going? Do I believe in this? Is this motivating me? Is this enjoyable? And when we can do that, then, you know, our experience of the roller coaster that is an entrepreneur, that it can certainly be, uh, it kind of smooths over a little bit because it doesn't always matter how much money something makes or this and that, you know, we, we want to be in alignment. We want to be in service to our alignment. Basically I'm, I'm rambling, but that's, that's kind of how I always try to think about it and how I try to approach it, right? Yeah, well, that was a beautiful ramble, so I appreciate it. Um, and let's start to unpack this um, service in alignment, spiritual business, feminist business. What do these things mean to you? Um, kind of like, like I'd say, like in like the bigger kind of heady theoretical space, and how does that actually come down into the practice of your business? Woo, yeah, that's it, right? Um, <laughs> that's the work. <laughs> yeah, that's like I could write a encyclopedia novel about that. Um, <laughs> you know, I think like defining our values, whether that's feminism or spirituality is really important. And I also think that it's super individual, right? Like Mm -hmm. it's so personal and it's so individual and it's based on so many different things. So I can only speak to myself. And that of course includes my background, right? But like for me, feminism is the definition of abundance, which is inherently anti-capitalist. Like abundance is sort of inherently anti-capitalist because in general, capitalism teaches us or wants us to believe that there is scarcity, 
and wants us to behave in ways that foster scarcity and foster competition and maybe I'll just say unaligned, unaligned actions, you know? And the other thing that I think is important for me just to kind of tease out for a second is that my personal feminism, it's not like a mirror of business or capitalism or patriarchal things, but make it women or like, but make it girls or like, (laughs) you know, like it's, it's not mirroring that. Right. Like I, of course I want like equal pay for all and childcare paid for and maternity leave and all of this stuff. But, you know, my feminism is about like building a completely different system altogether that focuses on care and mutual aid and the humanity of everybody. And a lot of the time that ends up flying in the face of traditional business or capitalist based teachings that we have of like going faster, exploiting people, harming the earth has to look a certain way, act a certain way. You know, like my feminine, my feminism is like always evolving, but it's also a process of like harm reduction and trying to cause less harm and trying to be as intersectional as I can be and trying to be as inclusive as I can be. So that's kind of like my framing and my groundwork, like theoretically, you know? Yeah. And then when we bring that down into, into how you're running your business, I love what you're saying about creating an entire new system. I think of, of small business as like a way to imagine new worlds. Like we get to create something that never existed before or, or try to, and bring those values through in the way that we, we work with people, the work that we create, and ultimately, you know, what we do with the resources that we, we create as well. So how does that um, come into practical implementation in your business? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the first thing I really want to say, you know, I was like to walking my dogs this morning and thinking about art that we were going to talk about all of this stuff, like where I was in the beginning of my business, my choices and my options and what I could do in terms of living in alignment with my values were a lot different and a lot more limited than they are now. You know, I started my business with, I had $3,000 in savings. I had no plan. I had no idea of what I was going to do. I really, the beginning stages of my business were based around trying to pay my rent and my student loans, throwing things at a wall for like a year or two and seeing what stuck. Right. And I'm not, you know, I don't know that that's the best thing to do. Uh, I am an artist. I just learned about quarters last year. I'm not joking. Like I don't have any business training. I don't have any business background. Uh, so that is my, that's like my very personal experience, which I know like looks, looks different and flies in the face of what a lot of, uh, business books and things like that are probably going to tell you. But I just want to say like, now I have more space and more time to make decisions that reflect my values in the beginning. I really was just like, Oh, you're going to pay me cool. Like, Oh, okay. You know, like, all right, like whatever, I'll be a waitress. I'll cater. I'll design some ugly logo for you. Like I I don't care, you know? So I just want to be really clear about that. Like the, in a lot of ways, I think what I'm going to be talking about is, is, uh, can sound really privileged. Um, and it is really privileged. And also my business for the first like couple of years, I had to make a lot of choices that I, for example, like wouldn't make now. I just need to like preface that. 
Yeah. Um, you know, but for me, like we're, if we're talking about business, right. We're talking about money and we're talking about how money circulates business, I think is like an exciting place to live out our values because we can both charge money and we can also give money away. So I think about that. I think about how much my offerings cost. I think about creating a tiered level of offerings, some being free, right? And some being affordable. And I define that as being anything that costs like 20 to like $48, let's just say. Mm -hmm. And then after that, when I, when uh, the offerings I have that are more than that, what I'll do is I'll offer payment plans. And then I always have a sliding scale for black uh, indigenous people of color that are always half of the offering. So if I'm if there's a class that costs a hundred dollars, then that sliding scale is half. No questions asked, you know, doesn't matter. Like, I don't care if you're a CEO or Oprah or Beyonce or whatever, like that's just that, right. Because that's part of my uh, work as a white person and doing reparative work uh, and trying to, again, cause less harm. So there's that. And then there's also like how I think about, well, and also I tithe. So 10, depending on what my net is, 10 to 20%, I give away to organizations that center historically oppressed and marginalized people. And that includes trans folks and queer folks and black mothers in jail who can't afford bail and, you know, all of these other uh, organizations. Right. And then I also, it's how I think about money and how I think about money is uh, it's a site of like freedom. And I, you know, I think a lot of us are raised to be afraid of money I think a lot of us are are uh, raised to not say like, I want to make a lot of money because I love money. And because when I have more money, I can do more things and I can help more people. And, you know, I don't have to like worry or I can say no to things uh, that again, five years ago, I maybe had to say yes to because I had to I had to pay my, my rent. So, you know, I think it's, especially like I've noticed in subculture, uh, and I would say that like holistic health or psychicville or witchville (laughs) is a subculture, right? Oh yeah. (laughs) It's, it's not a place where someone coming in and saying like, I love making money. I'm good at making money. I want to make more money it's people generally aren't like, woo, like, you know, like <laughs> in general, right? Like they're kind of like, Oh, what? Whoa. Ooh, you're a bad person. Or like, you know, I've just gotten that response. Yep. And, uh, I get it because I've had to work through like basically the first three to four years of my business was me also working through all my shame, guilt, fear, limiting beliefs, around my ability to generate an income and provide for myself. And I know that on like a healing level, that's what my business was there to do for me because I inherently believed when I began my business, I don't believe this anymore, but I inherently believed that I could not or was not allowed to make my own money. Like I believed that my paycheck always came from someone else and and I had to do like my own work 
to really instill in myself that I was like allowed to make money. I was allowed to create safety for myself. I was allowed to be abundant. And that was allowed to come from me uh, because I had a lot of shame and a lot of belief systems around my paycheck coming from someone else. And in doing so, like giving someone else the authority over my safety. And that was like a fundamental healing that I had to really work on really hard in the first beginning stages of my business. So I also like have so much compassion for people who, I also want to be really clear, like my belief system is my belief system. If you believe that like money is bad and it's not good for you to make money, like that's what I'm not like saying you, you know, I'm not here to tell you how to feel. I'm just talking about myself. Right. And so, um, yeah, that's a really fundamental thing. And for me, because, uh, in general, systemically, women make less money than than men. Trans people make less money than cis people. Queer people make less money than straight people. Like for me, that is inherently a feminist practice. Yes. Um, <laughs> you know, I love that you're talking about, well, first of all, that there are these different phases in the business, right? You experienced, and I had something very similar. And I, I mean, I mentioned we both probably see that a lot with folks that we encounter because that first stage is like, fuck, I got to figure out how to take care of myself and to pay those rent bills. And then that is what cracks open this deeper work. Can we go a little bit deeper into, um, especially with this, you know, the, the kind of the non-religious spiritual lens that you bring to your work? Um, what those first couple years of that healing practice were look look like. So I think a lot of folks who listen to the show are in that place where they're like, yeah, I hear you. I want to be mm-hmm. more comfortable making money. And I see how amazing it would be. Like they're starting to make those connections. Like it'd be so cool to be able to pay all my stuff. So then I can tie, then I can support, then I can do those things. Mm-hmm. But we're stuck at that place of like money is bad, money is evil. I'm greedy, I'm icky, mm-hmm. all of those, all of those things. So what does that bring up for you? What was that process like? Uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm just laughing. Cause I'm like, in my mind, I'm going back to my like tiny 600 square foot apartment, you know, in LA, like, and, and just, I was working in my kitchen. I just, I'm like, Oh wow. That was, it was a lot of work. So uh, I love, okay. I have so much to say and let's go back and forth here. I love that you brought up tithing for me. That was actually one of the first things I did that, uh, I believe fundamentally shifted my mindset and also my business because when we tithe, and in my case, my tithing takes the, it takes two forms. For me, tithing is always money. Like it's never like people, I've heard people say tithing is to be, can be energetic. I mean, I guess, sure. But for me, I'm like, if I want to make more money, I'm going to give money away. Like, that's what I do. I'm like, that's what we're doing here. Kind of like, if I want more love, like I need to pour more love on myself and I need to act in a loving fashion. So I tithe twofold. One is to those who are less privileged than myself and organizations that help them. Two is uh, paying other spiritual practitioners for their services, whether that's buying things they create or getting an astrology reading or an energy reading or whatever. Like I 
make that part of my practice because it circulates money in our community as well. Uh, and I believe in that work. I believe the work is priceless, right? So I want to pay for that. So when I started doing those two things, when you start giving things away, it's, it's creating a um, pathway of trust that you're going to, you are, go if you are, there is going to be more. And I know already, again, like people are like, I can't give any money away. Like I'm a, I have thousands of dollars in credit card debt and student loans, and all this stuff. You can give away a dollar, you know, like you can, you can give away $3. It doesn't have to be like, I wasn't giving away a hundred dollars or something. I was maybe giving away $30 or something. Right. Um, so there was that. And I did a lot of money magic, a lot. And I did money magic. Uh, so I work with the cycles of the moon. That's like my magical practice. And my magical practice in doing so is very holistic, where through the process, we are matching our energy, our thoughts, and our actions with the waxing and waning of the moon. And so the waxing phase is consciousness and action-based. And the waning phase is subconscious work, deprogramming, shedding, wrapping up, reflecting, all of those kinds of things. So that's what I did for a really long time. And and a really big thing I did now, it's like all coming back to me, like a Celine Dion song, <laughs> really, like a pivotal moment. Um, and again, I'm not like, this is my process and my practice. And I have a lot of privilege because I'm white and cisgendered, but a pivotal moment for me was saying no to people who wanted to pay me an exploitative rate or I knew were going to treat me poorly. Like, you know, like, like it went from being like, I'm going to, oh, I have to make money. I'm just going to say yes to so-and-so or like, yeah, I'm going to do 50 hours of work for $300 because I need money and da, da, da. But when I was like, wait a minute, I can already tell this person doesn't want to put a deposit down. They don't want to sign a contract, da, da, da. You know, like I can tell that this isn't going to be a fair exchange for me. And I started saying, no, thank you. When I started putting systems in place, like a contract deposit, something fundamentally shifted in my business. And that's not to say that all of a sudden, then I was like Scrooge McDuck, you know, diving into hundred dollar bills, but something fundamentally changed in my energy where I was no longer going to accept situations that were not going to pay me what I felt like I deserved. And this was, again, this was, this took years. This was not like one day I just woke up and decided that. Um, but I do remember profoundly a inherent shift when I started saying no to situations that were not in my best interest. This has been really top of mind because I've had a bunch of people in my community talking about this recently and that fear of um, the contract thing in particular is one that's coming up a lot, I guess, I don't know, Mercury, I have no idea. Um, but that this fear of, of like scaring people away, basically, if you exert your boundaries, right? Um, and, you know, I wonder for you, how, what was that shift? I mean, you talked about pouring love into yourself, if you wanted more love. Uh, what were some of the practices that got you to a place of being able to, I mean, essentially like to stand up for yourself and what you, the experience you wanted to have in your business? Uh, you mean, what were the situations? I mean, the situations that got me there was, were, was being disrespected and not getting, yeah. getting paid. Like, 
you know, because like, here's the thing. I don't want to sound like a Debbie Downer, but like people will take advantage of you if you, you know, like no one's out here. Like, I mean, people are, and I have many people in my life and I love, like, there's the other thing. Like, I love my clients. I love my clients. I love my clients. I love the people I work with. Um, what I'm thinking more also of when I was first starting out and was doing a lot of unknown things and I was doing different things. Like when I first started out, I was predominantly getting hired to be a graphic designer for people, which looks a lot different than say, um, a tarot reader, but also I was doing things like reading for a party for four hours and they were paying me like $50, you know what I, like, that's just, or you know what I mean? Like God, just, that hurts. Yeah. yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know, just, just things like that where I was like, yeah. well, it'll be good for my, well, and here's the other thing I learned very quickly. And maybe this sounds really rude, but in my experience, free work or underpaid work, like, like we have this thought, Oh, if you work for free for a while, you'll then get more clients. But in my personal experience, free work or underpaid work only leads to more free work or underpaid work because that person who's hiring you at $10 an hour tells their friend, oh yes, Sarah will work for $10 an hour. Why don't you hire her? They're not like Sarah's rate is $80 an hour or whatever. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Totally. there's, There's that too that I had to learn. And that's not to say that like, even to this day, I take on free clients and I read for people for free as part of my practice. But that is only because... I make enough money now that I can do things for free. Like that I can, like, again, it goes back to that thing I said in the beginning, like in the beginning of my business, I couldn't. Now I can practice extreme generosity in the ways that I want to, but that's only because like my bills are paid. And I know like that, how the next like four or five months of my business are going to go down. But, um, you know, I, I, again, we're, we're at ramble rate, so I'm going to pause and and (laughs) let you respond. (laughs) Yes. I'm just, I'm just nodding my head over here being like, "Uh uh-huh. Um, and (laughs) the, one of the things you mentioned that I think is so interesting is that it's kind of coming up in a couple of different places is that when we are this idea of like kind of that energetic, um, alignment, uh, with, with what we're, we're willing to do in our work, what we're able to do in our work. Mm -hmm. And we talk about, you know, in terms like, you know, when I, when you, when you started like, uh, you know, having contracts and deposits, but that shifted things when you stopped letting people pay you $10 an hour, that that shifted things. And there's this, this, this fear hump here. And I, I think this is maybe a great time for us to go into the idea of like anti-capitalistic business practice where we're so taught that if you don't take what is given to you, that you will be fucked. Like be grateful that somebody wants to pay you $10 an hour, um, mm. for, for your work. Um, what does this start to like unpack as your business grows? And now you are kind of supporting so many people through your work, um, like energetically as an artist, as yeah. a teacher, um, how, how do we start to, um, like get, like envision a world where that like fear hump of like mm. minimum of like, just like, just be grateful, uh, that you are getting like somebody's mm-hmm. like shitty energy and underpaid job. Um, how do we help people get to the other side so we can build that mutually supportive, mutual aid, nourishing world? I mean, that's the mill again, like we should, I, mean, I guess we're just going to pitch a book proposal, Sarah. Because Sounds like it. It's <laughs> a lot to unpack. Well, the first thing I want to, the first thing I do want to like really acknowledge is class stuff and oh, yeah. uh, race stuff and, you know, background stuff. Because again, like 
we are living, like, I, it kind of speaks to what I said before about like our, our, the gig economy and things changing economically. Like we are living in a world where in general, like the average American is working two jobs, you know, they have their like job and then they have their gig job. Um, you know, the, the hourly wage is not going up. Like I think that some states, $15 an hour is minimum wage, but also that should have been minimum wage maybe 10 years ago, right? Like I feel like $20 an hour is like the new minimum wage. Like, and that's not even if you're in a city, I mean, don't get me started. Right. So (laughs) like, so there's all of that. And I think that when you talk about the fear hump of like people feeling like they can't say, um, you know, like they have to work. I think that's actually like really real in the sense that there are so many, you know, like the economy is not in a place where there are like 9 million and one jobs for people. Like it's, this is real. Like, so I think the fear hump is like a react, like is a reality for a lot of people. And I don't want to, I want to like, just give that space and attention and, and awareness because I, I think that like, you know, we can talk about energy all day long, but until policies change and the law gets changed, mm-hmm. you know, um, and all of those things, like we won't really, all, but all we can do is like what we can do within our own business practices and what we can like share with people and what we can um, do. Like, so for me, like I pay people you know, well over $15 an hour, even if they're just like helping me ship books and things like that. And I treat people in a way like they're human beings, you know, and Mm -hmm. I respect them and I honor them, which is something that say like Jeff Bezos doesn't do, right? Like, (laughs) no, you know, things like that, right? So there's that, but there's also, I mean, but I also want to speak to your audience because I'm assuming that if people are listening they're either running their own business or they want to run their own business, you know, right? And I think there is that that um, that fe- that fear hump of, well, if I say no, there's it's not, you know, there. If I say no, then there's going to be crickets, and then it's over. And that like a shitty yes is better than nothing, right? But that's not true, like at all, you know? So, I mean, the other thing I'll say is I'm super practical too, is like, if that's happened, like if you're listening, gentle listener, and you're in the beginning stages of your business, I get a second job, like get a part-time job or get be in a situation where you can say no, and it's not going to be the end of the world as you work on your boundaries, as you work on offerings that are going to attract more people as you work on summoning up the courage to raise your rates, you know, like, because that's the other thing in businesses, when we work for ourselves, no one is going to give us a raise, right? Like no one's going to be like, okay, now you make, you know, $80 an hour. Like, you know, we could be make, we could be charging $40 an hour for the rest of our lives. Uh, No one's ever going to do that, you know? So I also think it's like, but it's a baby step. Thing. And it's always for me been a baby step thing where I'm like, okay, I'm going to charge. Yeah. Well, here's the other thing I'll say. If you're people, I'm like, I'm going to make some enemies. If you're listening to this, there's a really good chance I can, I will bet you, you are undercharging for your services. Yes. 
Oh and God. that's and that's not to say that we should live in a world where a tarot reading is like $500 or even $300. Sorry, but I'm just going to like name some numbers. But that is to say that if what you're offering is is at a certain level of energy, you have to that has to be compensated, you know? Like uh, that is to say if the products you're making are made ethically with like locally sourced ingredients or vendors and you're paying the person that helps you ship them out, you know, $20 an hour, you know, that should kind of reflect that as well. Yeah. I mean, I, again, I don't want to sound super like, I don't want to be like judge Judy over here or something telling people what to do. But I do think that like, as we grow and change and as we gain expertise and as we gain confidence, and as we know that what we're doing is genuinely adding to people's lives, we can feel okay, you know, with charging what certain services uh, are are worth for us. What do you think about that? Oh, I completely agree. And I mean, yeah, come, come and make enemies. Um, if you like, because there's, there's so many factors at play here. And, you know, you know, you mentioned some of those, those limiting beliefs. We have like the, the fear of raising our rates, the very, I mean, the, the two, the, we're all, always looking at like the two sides, right? The, the very real side of like policy and underpayment and like shitty jobs that are rampant in our country. And then the other side of, of continuing to take shitty jobs because we're afraid, right? Uh, to, to raise our rates and that nothing will ever come again, crickets bill. Um, there's all of those pieces. And then we get stuck in this place of, of perpetuating the cycle of just taking what we can get. Like, oh my God, I'm like not even coherent right now. You're um, so coherent. I'm listening. Because, because seeing people undercharge for the work that they have invested their time, their resources, the energy that they are offering to this world, it makes me sad. <laughs> um, yeah. And it also, it makes it so much harder for us to, to show up in service in the ways that we want to. And show up service first, like to yourself, like, Sarah was saying, like, it's okay to like pay your rent, right? Like to show up in service to yourself and to show up then in service to your community. So I, I, I'm with you. I imagine almost everyone here is undercharging. Um, and you know, I wonder like in the spirit of like feminist collaboration, it also undervalues the work itself because if like you're listening to this and you're, um, a spiritual practitioner in any way, right a teacher, a tarot reader, an herbalist, an acupuncturist, you know, if you're like, okay, I'm going to charge $20 an hour, like it ends up it, I mean, one, you're going to get burnt out really quick, you oh, know, because yes. that usually almost always happens with a lot of uh, folks who do one-on-one or energetic work on, you know, at an intense level. Um, and then you're, but then you're also like undervaluing the literal work that you're doing, you know, like, I don't think and this is, I'm a little bit biased, but I don't think a tarot reading should be $20. Maybe if it's 20 minutes, but like, I just, I, maybe if you want to offer it to a friend or like a special deal or something, or maybe when you're first learning for the first couple of years, I don't know, but like, I don't know. I think that we should be paid, uh, you know, I think that spiritual practice practitioners should be paid more um, than, you know, minimum wage. Let's put it that way. Right. And so if you're just paying yourself minimum wage, it's undercutting, it's, it's taking away from everybody else in the field who also deserves to be paid. Does that kind of make sense? 
Yeah. And because we're also training, then we're training our, our clients and we're training our, our audience and our community to value something at that rate as well, which, which does, you know, can, can cause harm across the board. Um, and you know, when we do raise our rates, a couple of cool things happen. We give people the opportunity and I, I love what Sarah was talking about before about having, you know, sliding scale and other options and ways to give back for sure. But we give people the opportunity to say that they value something to decide mm-hmm. that they want to show up for themselves. I used to, I used to hear people say that kind of thing, like investing in yourself was like, a, you know, like a, not as a spiritual practice, but like that was like super important. And I used when I was like, that's fucked up. And then I had the opportunity to spend more money on like learning things and investing myself as my business has grown. And I don't want anyone to take that away from me. I love being able to, to learn and change and grow and make commitments that actually are financially supporting the people that are helping me. I like that is like a huge gift that we get to give when we are, you know, folks are charging appropriately. And then it's all the other stuff Sarah was just talking about. Then you can like pay people who help you in your work well, right? We can actually be the bosses that we wish existed in the world. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Hmm. So as you're standing here and you're like, okay, cool. I've been doing this for a while. We got some sense of stability and security. What kind is of? I mean, do we ever? <laughs> yeah. Well, that's a great question, right? Do we ever? Um, because I think that I, I personally think that the idea that like having like a normal job is secure is a total myth, and I feel more secure having my own business. But security mm-hmm. is, is is an interesting an interesting beast in these times. How do you feel as a business owner, kind of looking into the future mm-hmm. about continuing to to support yourself and support this world work? Yeah. I mean, again, like the place where I'm at is my goals, my business goals now are supporting my business. Like I'm trying to figure out a way that my business can be supported for a year, like so that I don't, you know, so that if, so that I don't have to, so I can step out of the, you know, always having to go, 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 go. So that's, and that's like so different you know, first it was like, I want to be able to pay my rent. And then it was, you know, it would be really nice if I had three months of savings, you know, like, and so it just like baby steps. And then it's like, okay, cool. Now I'm at a place where I have six months of my business. Great. Like, cool. Don't have, and again, that goes back to being able to have more freedom and being able to make more decisions out of integrity, right? Like that's, for me, that's like always what it comes down to. Uh, That's, those are one of the main reasons I want to feel like I have a sense of freedom. I want to feel like I can be in integrity and I want to be able to serve people at the best of my ability. Like those are like some of my guiding principles. So um, I think you're right in terms of we do have the opportunity to be more stable as business owners. And also maybe it's just like me and how I was raised and everything. But I'm also like, I don't, you know, I'm like, I don't know if I don't, I don't, I think like now that I'm all like the question you asked made me get very reflective. I'm like, well, maybe I just have to decide at a certain point to like give myself that stability or to like allow myself to have that safety, you know, within maybe, maybe you just called my next like year of work. (laughs) Like I was like working on money stuff, working on money stuff. And the other thing I want to say though, is that I talked a lot about doing a lot of money magic and worth stuff. And, um, 
really redefining and reprogramming my relationship with money and my relationship with abundance. And I think that, you know, for me personally, that work is never done. There's always sort of like something else underneath, like there's these layers and these layers. And the other thing I want to say is like, my abundance doesn't always look like someone else's abundance, like not like not wanting to get bigger, not like, I don't want to build a huge team. I don't want to have like a 20 person office where I have to manage people. I don't want to have to like, think about those kinds of things. Like I created a business so that I would have some semblance of control over my days and over what I put out into the world. Um, not like, so that I would be managing people or, you know, or like a lot of times I hear folks wanting to sell their business, right? Like wanting to, uh, create a business and then got, get bought out. That's a very entrepreneur thing, right? A lot of very startup thing. I don't want that at all. Like, I don't, this is like, for me, like abundance isn't, it just doesn't look like this capitalist kind of like go, 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 you know, be that like four hour work week guy or eat like oh drinking. God, I like, fucking hate Tim Ferriss. Like, I'm sorry. Like, I'm just saying it. <laughs> like, such a dick. No, I'm like, I don't want to drink like 50 cup bullet coffees. <laughs> like, I mean, I love mushrooms. Don't get me wrong. But like, you know, so I actually adore mushrooms and they've helped me a lot. But anyway, you know, so I just think it's like what we want doesn't always like there's this amazing book that I really love that I need to reread because it was like three years ago that I first read it, but it's called Prosperity Without Growth. Ooh. And it's was by these economists that basically said, these British economists that basically said, like, hey, if we keep going at this like quote unquote capitalist way where we're just prioritizing growth um, and exploitation and extraction and all of these things, like the earth will be over. And like, we know this, but they said this, well, they were saying this, it was like, remember when like Al Gore was saying this kind Mm -hmm. you know, it was like, they were saying it before, you know, everyone now is like allowed to say that we are in a climate crisis. And I read that book um, and it really made an impact on me because it really made me think about abundance and it made me think about prosperity and it made me think about defining enough and defining success and realizing that what I want uh, for myself and for my business really flies in the face of, you know, what we're kind of taught in terms of like scaling and you need to have thousands of people. And like, for some people, um, that is the way to go. And I actually believe for some people, that is their calling. And that was what they were here to do, like Oprah or something. Like, you know, like that is clearly what she is here to do, yes. you know? And, and and I'm not, you know, like, and I don't want to take that away from people who are listening, who are like, I want to reach tens of thousands of millions of people. Um, I don't know that necessarily that's my jam. And I also want to be okay with that. You know what I'm saying? And that's for me to define, and that's for all of you listening, like to to define um, on your own terms. Again, it goes back to where, like, we've come full circle, which I feel like is really nice. Where we get to define and determine and name what is what 
is going to work for us based on our energy levels, our personality type, like how we want our days to look. Do we want to manage people? Do we not? And on and on and on. Uh, we get to do that. So again, if you want to be the next, you know, like Oprah Winfrey, like, please go for it. But like, that's like, that's definitely not something I'm interested in, you know? Uh, I'm so, I so appreciate you mentioning this kind of twofold one. It's like warming my heart because, um, just for me and my business and listeners know that like, I've kind of, I don't say put a pause, but I'm in what I'm calling a maintenance mode <laughs> or in a non-growth mode. Um, because I'm doing a lot of assessment and planning and thinking and like trying to really figure out like, what is, what is enough, what is right. And like, and putting those systems in place. And, um, it's been really challenging because of that like deeply ingrained, like grow or die, grow or die, grow or die that, you know, I mean, I'm sure has permeated me since I was a child living in America. Um, and so getting to have these conversations being like, we can actually, like we get to decide, right? We get to decide what is, what is, what we want. What is that energetic alignment in our businesses? What we're called to do that, that absolutely just warms my heart. And then that, that reminder again, that Sarah just gave us that, you know, it's up to you. You know, your business shouldn't look like somebody else's necessarily. Your goals can be completely different. Success for you can have nothing to do with what success for me or Sarah looks like. And that I think is part of the real power of, of kind of reclaiming agency in our financial lives is, is like, what, what does that mean for each of us individually? And then how can we use that to, to create the, the abundance and the community support rather than being told that we're supposed to, it's supposed to look a certain way. Can I ask you a personal question? Yeah. Was there something, like you said, you're in maintenance mode. Was there something external, like in your business that made you, like, did you get to, like, did you, all of a sudden you had like a huge growth, growth spurt or like, was there something that happened to make you take a yes. step out? Yeah. Can you, do you mind sharing or? No, not at all. Um, in uh, the end of September, well, a couple of fun things. I'm looking at my hand. I, I sliced mm -hmm. open my hand um, mm -hmm. and. Uh, I'm sorry. Thank you. It was got to have hand surgery. It was super dramatic. Um, and it's mostly fine now, but it kind of showed it was one of those, one of those great moments where I was like, thanks for the lessons in the form of pain. I would prefer them in another way. Um, yeah. though that is also one of the things I listen to. So I hear that we're, we're in conversation. I launched a membership site for my community. And like you were talking about earlier, Sarah, you know, having kind of tiered offerings, it's a lower priced offering. It is a community-based offering. It is my absolute, like just joy. And I absolutely love it. And it, it went super well. <laughs> um, and we had this big growth spurt and my initial, like in, in this, to be honest, like deeply ingrained response was like, write it, write it. Oh my God. We got to like hustle through this. Mm. And then I was like, Oh no, because <laughs> that is serving no one. And my business wasn't, I mean, we're doing fine. Like there's nothing wrong, but my business is not ready for more growth beyond this. I don't have the systems. I don't have the team. Yeah. I don't have, and I also just have, there's questions I haven't asked myself yet. So yeah, it was this kind of, this kind of confluence of events that kind of pushed things ahead faster than I was anticipating, which is awesome. Um, but then I was like, Ooh, okay, let's, let's take a step back, which is not what, um, not what was recommended to me, but is what feels good. <laughs> Yeah. And I'm, I am so grateful for your vulnerability because like, that's often how we learn. I had something very similar, not, you know, I mean, obviously much different, but there is this thing where you're like, oh, we're taught to go, go, go. And like, you know, just make more, make more. Oh, people like it, make more, produce more, like, you know, uh, all of this stuff. And that in itself is what I meant earlier when I talked about this, like 
scarcity that capitalism stirs in us because it's like, well, what do you mean more? Like I'm making, you know, $20,000 a month or what, like, isn't that enough? Like that's enough for me. (laughs) Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I mean, again, like I'm not trying to put limits or block my blessings, but also it's like, we have to be like, okay, cool. And then if we don't have the systems in place, the structures. And also, again, like to what I said, like if we don't want to have those things, you know, if we don't want to have to have a team of like five people we're managing or we're responsible for their livelihood and their health insurance or whatever that kind of is, uh, you know, we, we just have to be careful uh, that we have to really sit with ourselves and really think like, okay, what would abundance look like? What would that number be? What would I have to do? What money would I have to spend in order to like have that money coming in? And all of these certain things that really a lot of time fly in the face of these hustle centric, keep going, like let's explode, like startup, like situation kind of thing. And it's like, if you're a psychic introvert, <laughs> um, you know, like I, I'm like myself, it's like, yeah. you know, the, the same thing happened to me. My system just blew out. Like on paper, I had in quotes, like one of my most successful years ever, you know, it was just like full on full blast. I'm someone who's very sick anyway with chronic illness. And I like, I'm embarrassed to say like I let my business run me, you know what I'm saying? Like, and I did that. And then I had to, then I, my system crashed and I had to, my physical system, again, nothing was really wrong in quotes, um, but except my health. So that was what I'm coming out of right now. I spent about a year and a half just in deep hibernation, like doing the bare minimum I needed to do to keep my business running while I really was like, okay, what do I really want? What energetically feels right? Uh, You know, what energetic and thought work do I have to do to get there? Um, You know, this isn't what, what I thought it would be and so on and so forth. So I think that, again, it's like just a reminder to people listening that like, you don't have to do, I mean, the last thing I think I just want to say is like, there's all of these expectations. And when we really sit with them, so many of them, and the vast majority of them, in fact, are not coming from us. They're coming out, you know, like there's these expectations. And and I think we just have to be careful about who we are answering to. Um, You know, uh, and it's a very like judgment card. It's like, who is your you know, who is your God? Who is your goddess? Who is your, who is the person? Who's your dog? You know, like who's the, (laughs) who's the person or the thing or the value system that you're answering to and what would living in alignment with that look like and feel like, and what actions would you have to take to get there? And it might surprise you. It might be that, yeah, I want to, you know, I want to have a team of 30 people and I want to franchise this and I want to sell my business and all of that stuff. And that's gorgeous and that's beautiful. And I salute you, but it might actually look and feel and be a lot different when you actually get real and center yourself and think about what you need, uh, not just maybe what someone told you you're supposed to want. Oof. Oh my gosh. Okay. That will have to be our end note because we could keep going forever. Um, and I want to respect your time but thank you because yes. And, you know, 
these opportunities to check in with ourselves, whether that's from a growth spurt or something not going the way you want it to go, a health issue, which I definitely relate to, Sarah. Oh my gosh. Um, <laughs> uh, yes, psychic introvert problems. Part of the beauty of this is that it's your business. You get to decide, you get to make the boundaries, you get to create the rules um, and question the ones that have been given to you and decide if you really want them or not. Mm-hmm. Sarah, thank you so much for coming on the show today. This has been such an amazing um, and just delightful conversation. I really appreciate your time. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much for doing what you do. And I really enjoyed getting to speak with you. Thank you. And Sarah, if people for some magical reason are are somehow not following you, where can they find you on the internet, learn more about your work and support you? Oh, thanks. So the best way I always tell people is just my newsletter. You can sign up for it on modernwomen dot big cartel.com or google it because i might i think i'll have a new site I, or maybe hopefully fingers crossed awesome. <laughs> uh, you can i'm googling people and then the only place i'm on the internet other than that is instagram it's my last name the beginning of my last name it's like a joke it's g-o-t-t-e-s-s-s or goddess because that's the beginning of my name my last name is german it means servant of god I'm trapped. I cannot, there was no other way I was going to have to, I was going to have to run a spiritual business. Uh, I answered to the goddess. So that's what's up. So yeah, that's where they can find me. And I look forward to connecting with more people in the future. Awesome. We'll link all that up in the show notes. And thank you, dear listeners, for being here because you're the reason that we get to make this thing. And it is such an absolute privilege and joy to be welcomed into your, your earbuds. And thank you for spending time with us today. And I will see you next week. Bye for now.